1: bringing you backstage and behind the scenes, with the stars, creators, and industry leaders bringing Broadway back to life, and bringing musicals to the big screen this holiday season. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of StageCraft, I'm talking to Peter Dinklage. The actor is probably best known for his role as Tyrion Lannister in Game of Thrones, but theater fans will have seen him in shows including Richard III, Uncle Vanya, and, most recently, the new musical theater adaptation of Cyrano de Bergerac, called simply Cyrano. Now he's reprising his role in the new movie adaptation of the musical, directed for the screen by Joe Wright, with songs by members of the band The National. The movie hits theaters January 22nd, and Dinklage is in the virtual studio with me to talk great theater roles, singing on stage and on screen, and what it was like to film Cyrano during a pandemic on the side of an active volcano. I'm great. Thank you. Um, how are you doing? You've got this movie that's about to come out.
0: Yeah, I've just sort of been on the road with it for a couple of weeks now. We went to London and then LA. And now I'm back in New York. Mm, uh, wow. you know, doing the, the salesmanship of something you believe in. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, no, it's good. It's we shot this movie about a year ago um in Sicily. It's beautiful. Uh, we should say the locations are gorgeous. Oh gosh. We shot in a town called Noto, Noto, Sicily, and then up on the side of a volcano, Mount Etna, um, towards the end of shooting, which was a thrill and a cold, shivering pleasure. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, it started way, for, uh, much further back than that, because it started as a theater piece. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that that really a couple years ago at this workshop workshop production uh, up in Connecticut.
1: Right, that was at the good speed,
0: yeah. Yeah. And then about a a year later, we went down, brought it down to downtown uh, New York.
1: Yeah, right. And I think before, uh, I think before that, either seeing it on stage or in the film, I don't think a lot of us knew that you sing. What is your history with uh, singing and with musical theater in particular? Well, jury's
0: still out about that. Uh, <laughs> can, in fact, sing. No, I, I enjoy, you know, taking on new challenges. And mm-hmm. you know, if something comes across my way and it requires me to sing, I say, why not? <laughs> um leap off the cliff and see what happens no I, I i i suppose i can sing um but there's a lot of people who are really good singers out there and it sort of was like i know my skill set but i'm gonna try and do it my way and uh yeah no it was fun i mean i, I had the privilege of singing beautiful songs too and it, it wasn't really it's not really a musical as much as it is a, a play and then a movie with songs. So it didn't require to me be, to be like Broadway singing and dancing at the same time, because right. I know I could never do that. I yeah. think a lot of friends who do that on Broadway for a living, I look at them and right. I just, wow. Um, yeah. um, and some of them still smoke cigarettes and do that. It's incredible. <laughs> it's baffling. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but this one was just beautiful sort of intimate love songs written by this band, The National, one of my favorite bands. Um, and so that was, that was very helpful. And they were very helpful in, in encouraging me and making me feel pretty cool.
1: It is notable that the first time you open your mouth to sing, you think, oh, your voice is probably as deep as that guy from the nationals, right? Because he's yeah, got I mean, a very deep voice. Like We have the yeah. same,
0: similar baritone register, but, but the trick was for me not to do an imitation of Matt because uh, yeah, right. and you sort of just you have to make it your own, you know?
1: Yeah. And so how did this back, uh, as it was started out as a theater piece, how did the idea for it come about? Was Cyrano a story you always wanted to tell? Was, had you been in it before
0: as the, in the play or? Um, I had never really thought I would ever play Cyrano. I hadn't given it much thought. There's some dream roles you have out there, whether it be Shakespeare or Chekhov roles and I've been fortunate enough to play some of those that I always yeah. wanted to play but this one wasn't on my radar and I think it was because it just all due respect to Rustan's original it didn't really speak to me it was sort of very theatrical um and it was all about a guy and a, and a nose and inevitably the nose was a fake nose and it was played by a handsome actor and I just thought the theatrical I, I, w- I was always really interested in doing very realistic, gritty drama, especially when I was young, like Sam Shepard and, and Harold Pinter. And that, those plays spoke to me more than this one did. Um, Cause you know, I was a serious artist in my twenties and I, you know, I just wanted to get down and dirty and I didn't want to have feathers in my cap and a fake nose. Um, but as soon as Erica Schmidt had the great idea of removing the nose, then it really spoke to me because it was, it was a, still had the same heart to it um and and the same vulnerability of this character he still had the same complexity of character because he's he's so brave in one aspect of his life the fighting and the and the and, the, and, the, and being in war and all of that but he's he's totally nervous and and um doesn't know what to do in the face of of love right um but getting rid of the nose, it got rid of so much language about the nose that I always just thought, what's the big deal? It's just like a handsome actor and a fake nose. He gets to, <laughs> he gets to take it off after each show. What's he going off about? I
1: don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah. And how did the folks from the National get involved?
0: Um, they are just uh, amazing. Erica was thinking about them uh, while she was writing it. And mm-hmm. they write about heartbreak and longing and loss as much as Rustan was writing about it and their music is just beautiful and poetic and painful in a good way Um, Mm. so she just reached out to them i had a friend because i was involved sort of early on with the with the production it wasn't written for me but i sort of grabbed hold of it and wouldn't let go um and tried and convinced i guess erica to cast me in the stage production Right. But I uh, had a friend who had a friend of theirs of the Nationals. So I sort of Erica reached out to that person, and it, and they 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 just these are guys are risk takers. They they you know it's, it's these the, as the older we get, I think the more we just we branch out into other things. They're the real Renaissance men. These guys and uh, they they really jumped at the opportunity. It was hard to to pin them down because they tore a lot and all of that and. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they wanted to be sure they were getting involved with something quality and, and they didn't take much to convince them in terms of what Erica had presented to them.
1: Right, yeah. And what do you have a memory of uh, a moment in rehearsal or just in your own sort of process that uh, really unlocked your version of Cyrano for you? Like, what was the moment of insight for you? Do you did you remember?
0: In terms of from the beginning?
1: Like, yeah, from the character or for, yeah, like what, how did you, how did you find your way into the character?
0: Well, I, I sort of started to relate to his brave face. And, mm. and like, he's a very different person when Roxanne is looking at him than when she, than when she's looking away. Mm. He sort of, he fakes, he pretends. He puts on, I mean, he has an avatar speak him for him and what else is an actor but, you know, that. What else is an actor but a Christian? And I thought, yeah. um that's sort of something that I really kind of can understand. Hmm. Somebody, somebody said, aren't all writers, your actors, Cyrano's. Um, Somebody Hmm. said that a few months ago uh, when we were talking about the movie and I thought, yeah, it's true. Um, We are, we need our Cyrano's. Um, And so I could really relate to it in that way. And, you know, putting on, on a personal level, putting on, you know, a, a brave face for those you love. You know, it's what being parent, that being a parent is really, um, mm-hmm. um, being strong or doing your best in, in, impersonation of strength, at least, yeah. even not feeling that strength. And that's what he does. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. And how would you describe how the songs function in in the? the show and then the movie, what, uh, if they're not, if you don't think of it as traditional musical theater, what, what do you feel like the, uh, the songs give you an opportunity to do that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do if you weren't singing?
0: Um, well, it's much easier on the ears because of the melodies that the national had written and the musical accompaniment, you know, to hear someone talk about love Mm -hmm. is very different than somebody singing a love song. If it's a really good love song. And we certainly have been hearing the love songs our whole lives and sort of, you know, it's the rhythm of our heartbeat. And it was sort of like, that's uh, so what music is. So it's so globally uh, understood. Um, so it defies meaning it defies language barriers. And, 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 and uh, um, it also it didn't ever feel like we sort of stopped talking. And then the spotlight hit us and we started singing sometimes songs can be detached from the book of the musical and they're sort of, they live as two separate entities. No matter how good they are, they sort of live as two separate entities. And a lot of this just sort of Erica's script just kind of flowed into Matt and Corinne, the lyricist's language. Um, And But it was allowed to be uh, more um, unabashedly poetic because that's what these characters are or strive to be. Right. And they made Roxanne into a poet in this one. She wasn't really so much, she was a lover of poetry, but she wasn't so much, she didn't really have um, um, the character that she does until Erica brought her forth and sort of removed the glass that surrounded her from previous productions. Um, right. um, you know, because a male writer wrote this 120 years ago. The, 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 the usual go-to was to put women, female characters on pedestals And the men were there to woo them and try to understand them. Um, But this was this Roxanne that Erica created and that they wrote songs for, you know, like the song I Need More. That's all about strength and, and being hungry and being denied what society is giving you or what men are giving you because they treat you a certain way, if you're beautiful or not. And that's that's that really was great about this version of it yeah yeah not so serious but, but everybody had sort of a way of, of voicing their their hearts Christian right. yeah
1: yeah um, we should say for people who uh, are not aware Erica Schmidt wrote uh, adapted and directed the stage version and wrote the screenplay for yes. uh, the film yeah. um, and at what point speaking of adapting at from uh, stage to film at what point did discussions about a movie come into play
0: uh it never had until, I mean, I, it's so funny because I've been doing movies now for so long and I, I do p- movies more than plays now. Mm. You, If you live in New York where I live, you, you start off, a lot of me and my friends, we start off our career in the theater and then we suddenly get more and more film work and then the film and TV work takes over, but you like to return to the stage. So uh, I think because I have such a sort of a, cinematic brain at this point. I always saw what Erica did. She directs and she writes very cinematically for, for stage. Um, um, how she does it is really quite something. She, it's, it's rarely is it just two people sitting on a couch talking. It's more visually arresting than that. So I, it sort of made sense when Joe Wright, Joe Wright came to the show, the director of the film came to the show in support of Haley Bennett, who is his partner in life. Yep. And as we do, he came up to Connecticut and then he sort of didn't didn't know what he was getting himself into because he sort of, <laughs> in supporting Haley, he fell in love with the show and what Erica had done and was inspired to make the film version of it. Um, yeah. and I think that's a lot of it is due to Erica's sort of uh, s- visually cinematic uh, that she, aesthetic that she has on the stage. Instead of, fighting, sword fighting on stage. She had this great idea of like doing these abstract, like almost slow motion um, speed rampy fights. Um, right. You know, snow fell, uh, if there, she could have, if she could have a hurricane on stage, she would. Right. Um, so it, it makes sense that he was floored by that show.
1: Yeah.
2: I'll have more with Peter. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And now, here's more with Peter Dinklage. Joe Wright is the director of films like Atonement and Pride and Prejudice and Woman in the Window and Darkest Hour and things like that. What do you find... What, what do you find his... Take and his version of the story brings to uh, to the film. What do you what do you feel like his well, what, his take well, on it is?
0: The advantage of a film of this is, I think he was just was probably. I mean, I haven't talked to him about it, but he was probably just wanting close ups. As you watch the as you watch the 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 rectangular, you know, forty feet away production where you can see everything, I think he probably wanted to get close up to our faces. And that's what film affords you and with a very intimate show, intimate in moments, a mm-hmm. mo- lot of moments in this one, um, that close up, because he loves faces, he loves actors. Um, um, and it was kind of great after doing the stage version to have that intimacy with the camera yeah. um, and be able to sing softly and not in a sort of theatrical, theatrical singing voice, which you need when you're trying to hit the back row there. But um to be really intimate with the with the with the piece. And you know, the camera picks up everything. So we had to really just draw, draw, take everything we did in, on stage and really mm. as Shirley MacLaine once told me, just take it down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How hard is was that a challenge or what what what's harder for you? To go big or to go small?
0: <laughs> um that's a good question. I don't know. It depends. I, I uh, um, you know, there's nothing better than than live, anything yeah. live. Everything's so pre-recorded and 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 uh, mastered. After the actor has done anything, mm. you know, live things can go wrong, and the audience forgives you. Um, every show, night after night, you're telling the exact same story with the exact same people. But each one is unique, which is just blows my mind. Um, that that's that's I mean, that's part of the thrill. But so yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely probably have gotten smaller um, having done movies and understand the the, the importance of that for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. so you're talking about making a movie out of this and then there's a pandemic, and uh, that threw a wrench into everybody's uh, lives and work and everything. And so what? Was there a moment when you thought maybe the movie wasn't gonna happen at all?
0: Oh yeah, there was probably about a 80% chance that it wasn't gonna happen at all. Mm. Um, Cause you know, even without a pandemic, a lot of movies don't happen at all. Right. Um, I, I mean, I've, you know, tell, ask anybody and, and yeah, it's just, it's just, it's really hard to get a movie made. Right. They cost, well, they cost too much money in my opinion, mm. but um, um, especially now, but it, it's really hard and uh, um but they, they were really, they persevered. I mean, I think actually in a weird way, COVID and the pandemic sort of uh, gave it sort of a, a rebellious quality of, of like really hungry and really wanting to get it made and get people mm-hmm. paid so they can feed their families again. So it sort of, it was uh, kind of, I love that despite how terrible the pandemic was, it infused the, the filmmaking with a real sort of outsider guerrilla aesthetic um, mm. uh, in terms of getting it done and, and, and fighting all you could to get it done um mm. and solving things creatively rather than financially because mm. we we were we were just confined by what the pandemic the got by the guidelines of the pandemic right um and you know being on in a really beautiful location and living in a bubble which i think I love shooting on location because you do, uh, you are like a sort of a tight group, uh, mm-hmm. uh, whether there's a pandemic or not, but the yeah. pandemic definitely made us very insulated.
1: Uh, it Sounds field. a little bit like being uh, in rehearsal for a, for a play. Yeah. So that, you know, sort of be yeah. you with your ensemble, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. you just, you're, you're, a tight, you're a tightly knit group and then you're off on your way. Mm-hmm. Some of the, sometimes you never see the people again. Right, yeah. I don't know how, how healthy that is, I still don't, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, some some uh, friendships. Yeah. Is there a,
1: a particular uh, memory or a moment in the process of filming that sort of encapsulates that whole experience for you?
0: Yeah. Um, the the shooting the war stuff um, oh. on Mount Etna, which is an active volcano. Yeah. That that sort of is sort of why I like to make movies. No matter how cold it is or hard it is, and the crew is working overtime, and everybody's exhausted. Um, and we were all sleeping in these little hotels at the foot of the volcano, um, and it was snowing and it was just gorgeous, and you had the greatest view of Sicily. And, and there was a moment where, you know, we were all pretty tired, and suddenly somebody started a snowball fight when when you know actors sit around a lot waiting for things to get set up and we, we just got into like the greatest most playful snowball fight like we were kids mm-hmm. i hadn't been in the snowball fight in a very long time i forgot how much fun they were but that was sort of here we were and if you take a step back which you know now that i have taken many steps back it's here we are in a pandemic on the side of an active volcano and literally active, like it was uh, in the morning at three a.m. when we'd go to work. she'd like lava, glowing. It was wow. the, whole, the whole sky was red. Yeah. Uh, but in a true Sicilian spirit, like she's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll know when she, they call her. She. It's at night. No, we'll, we'll know when she. We'll know when she's angry at us. It's like they have an understanding with her. Um, I think it's because there's a there's when you drive up there's an old monastery that you can see. Um, the, the, the priest or no he's a nunnery a convent and the nuns were in there praying they couldn't leave and the lava stone goes right around it the the the, the convent wow. is here and you see yeah. this so yeah. I'm like wow and they lived yeah. um so they I, ever since then i think there's been an understanding um anyway so just having a snowball fight on the side of this active volcano it's in a, in a pandemic actors are big children, but just really behaving like children, but in a positive way, not complaining about our coffee or anything. Just, it was just so much fun. And that's what, that was a moment that stands out for me. And it was towards the end of filming when we were all sort of, just had knew each other really well and just said, yeah. Yeah. We're we're all like completely burnt out at the same time. (laughs)
1: <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, we should mention also that the choreography does, that there's some interesting stuff going on with the choreography uh, in this film and how dance is kind of worked into the storytelling. The yeah. choreography is by C.D. Larby, Shirk, Shirk Koui. I uh, yeah. have tried to st- stumble over that. Uh, he also choreographed Jagged Little Pill on Broadway. Um, how, uh, tell us a little bit about that for folks who haven't seen the film
0: yet. Well, um, thank goodness I didn't have to do much of it. <laughs> 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 I got to in some of the big numbers, watch. Mm. Um, I mean it runs the, it runs from, the, the, from, from you know people in the beginning there's a, there's, a big, uh, there's a big theater show and Cyrano comes and interrupts a play because he hates the main actor, but there's a whole dance piece with, with, with dancers in sheep's costume, mm. uh, which was just hilarious. And then there's all these sort of what war, in my opinion, should be like it was. It's a bunch of sh- soldiers um, dancing together, um, mm. uh, men and men um, dancing with each other. It's the most beautiful dance, mm. uh, and I wish all soldiers could do that um, and stop fighting. Um, it's sort of. It's sort of. It had this real. Uh, just, I don't know. I remember the Fisher King um, when they all everybody sort of was just going through Grand Central Station and. Terry Gilliam has everybody suddenly strangers dancing with each other and what what life could be like Mm. uh, in one's imagination of what it should be like. Um, It reminded me of that. Hmm. We're in these in this uh, these barracks where all these guys are like you see fighting and they're just being manly men and soldiers and then Christian start singing this love song, and then they all start start uh, dancing together, and just it's just it's just heartbreakingly beautiful. And then, because uh, they're extensions of sort of what the character's going through, I'm writing a love letter, and I'm doing it in a bakery, and mm-hmm. whether the and then all the baker bakers start dancing with each other, and 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 uh, that was in the original stage production. They throw yeah. flour up into the air, and they dance with their their dough, and it's just it's whether it's happening it is happening mm. but it seems like it's happening also at the same time in the character's imagination how right. they see life because they're also romantic and yeah, so, yeah. shouldn't yeah. that always be the way yeah going into I, whole foods going down the aisle if <laughs> only you know instead of complaining about the price of their tuna fish yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, you've had some time to take a few steps back now from, uh, from Cyrano. What, seeing the movie now, uh, how do you feel like the story resonates right now for us in terms of where we are and what it says to us?
2: Well,
0: everybody's hiding hiding behind a false version of themselves, I think, still. And that's what you know Cyrano does with Christian. What is love if you're lying to the person you claim you love. You know, mm. I think people. Hopefully, most people are well-intended, but they they are setting up on, with with profiles online. The internet has created such a a heavy gauze between ourselves and uh, who we. The world thinks we are. We we create these false profiles of ourselves online. Um, we that that sets sets up for. Disappointment and you know, to be so dramatic, tragedy. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, to a certain extent, we all do. We all want to present the best version of ourselves when we walk out the door. We comb our hair, we put on nice clothes, and that's who we want to present. Um, and that's who we are to a certain extent. But it also calls into question: Who are we? And 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 all of that. Are we living in the moment? Are we? really connecting to anybody if it's just this not if this sort of if it's this false version of ourselves and we're receiving a false version of someone else maybe not false but just inaccurate completely inaccurate um that's that's how it relates i mean because it was written 120 years ago and it, it's, it reminds me of today's uh catfishing you know mm-hmm. what it is he's catfishing and it calls into question what is love i mean i feel like people most people it's because there's are they have an idea a very strong idea or they think they have a strong idea of what love is but I don't know if that's necessarily true if that's how you're you know walking out the door towards love as, as somebody you're not you know I don't know it it's it, it's it's a uh, you know it's reason why these classics are classic because they're dealing with the same stories that will be relatable now and 200 years from now and beyond and the story will be continued to be told it's a continuum there's there's many productions of sierra before this and many productions after this you know so that's that's really important to consider Um,
1: Uh, you mentioned early on in our conversation that uh you've got that you have a sort of list of, you know, roles that you have wanted to play, uh, some of which you've played, some of which you have not. What are some of the ones that are still on your list?
0: Um, well, like, the, like British actors raised on Shakespeare, they play Shakespearean roles a lot of their lives. And they play the same role many times. And it's just, it, that is such a joy because there's so, there's so, uh, every time you go back to it, you unearth something more. That's why there's such great roles. Hmm. And I think that also happens, the older you get, you, you see a role differently. Yeah. I, I played Richard III about uh, 15 years sure. ago. I saw that production. Oh, you did? Oh, wow. I did, yeah. yeah. No, but I, you know, 15 years later, I would love to go back to that role. I played Uncle Vanya about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ten years from now, I would love to play that. Those are two like my favorite roles, and I don't think, I don't think I even scratched the surface, right. um, truly of what those characters are, and that's what's a, what's thrilling to me. Um, and I can't think of anything out there. I mean, you always think, uh, you know, Hamlet, and then you they're like, Nah, I'm too old to play Hamlet. But Ian McKellen just played Hamlet. Yeah dying to see Ian McKellen's Hamlet. Yeah. Um, uh, um, so, you know, they're out there. Um, the trick is not to be like, the reason why you want to do it is to, because you saw one of your favorite actors do it. <laughs> I, I think that just kind of triggers something in you that you adored something and you want to sort of see what you can do. And that's, mm. you know, that's it, it, like the old uh, John Malkovich in True West. Every guy my age loved him in True West. and. And if you do true West, are you gonna do it like Malkovich? Because it, it inspired right. you so heavily at a, at a certain age that I feel like all of us are trapped in like the Malkovich imitation if you did that, if you yeah. did that play, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, or you know, it's like that story about Vivian Lee, uh Blanche Dubois wasn't written by Tennessee Williams as that sort of damsel y sort of the uh, Vivian Lee as Vivian Lee played it in the film. Right and now every since vivian lee everybody plays it that way right. that wasn't tennessee williams intention at all nor was marlon brando's portrayal of stanley, so the stanley uh tennessee williams intention at all originally yeah mm-hmm. but now you think streetcar you think brando you think vivian lee and those those yeah. archetypes that they created um so you gotta be just gotta be careful and just make it your own yeah yeah
1: well we look forward to seeing your next richard iii or uncle vanya or whatever is next for you on stage and until then, we'll see you on screen in Cyrano. Thanks so much, Peter. Thanks for talking to you. to, talk to you, Lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. That was Peter Dinklage, now starring in the movie Cyrano in theaters January 22nd. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of StageCraft, I'd really appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us grow our audience of folks who love theater as much as you and I do or tell a friend about StageCraft, or give us a shout-out on social media. Find past episodes or subscribe on all the pod places, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on the Broadway Podcast Network, which is a great place to find more theater for your ears. Coming up, our bi-weekly release schedule will take an additional week off for the holidays, but I'll be back soon with another new episode. Until then, find me on Twitter at gcoxvariety. Variety. Thanks for listening, and see you at the theater.